from the New Media Project at the NYU School of Medicine and the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, decentration and tilt of intraocular lenses. Decentration is very important because uh, you have multiple zones. If you have an important decentration of the lens and you have multiple zones, that would cause diffraction and and other problems. First this. The Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education requires a financial interest disclosure before any CME activity. Doctors Marcos and DeCastro declare no real or apparent conflicts of interest. As seen from here, the first podcast for physicians, the first podcast to offer CME credit, and the first to offer multinational editions, is now co-sponsored by the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. The ASCRS recognizes the power of this new medium in communication and education of physicians everywhere. This partnership will allow us to bring new content to you and add new voices to our community. From Manhattan to Mumbai, from the Bay Area to Beijing, one conversation as seen from here. The cataract extraction went off without a hitch, but postoperatively, you notice that the lens is not perfectly centered. It's not subluxed, just a bit off center. Does it matter? Maybe the patient is correctopic and the IOL really is centered. How is centration assessed anyway? And is lens decentration clinically important? Susanna Marcos and Alberto de Castro sought to measure lens centration in their recently published study in the Journal of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. I'm happy to welcome them both as my guests today. In a pseudophagic eye, what are the typical sources of optical aberration? Okay, there, um, there are several sources of aberrations. Probably the first and most important is the cornea. You have uh, the spherical aberration of the cornea as well as higher order aberrations that are present in, in, in any eye. In pseudophagic eyes, they're also induced aberrations by the incision. So you have additional aberrations that are typically trefoil and tetrafoil. And then, and then you have the the aberrations of the intraocular lens. And it is very important whether it is a spherical or a spheric intraocular lens. A spherical would add up a spherical aberration to that of the cornea, whereas a spheric lenses would subtract the spherical aberrations from the cornea. And then tilt and disintegration of the intraocular lens may, may also cause some additional aberrations. Are these aberrations, particularly those of the cornea, addressed by some intraocular lenses? The spherical aberration of the cornea is addressed by uh, aspheric intraocular lenses. The spherical aberration of the cornea is usually uh, positive, and uh, the aberration, the spherical aberration of aspheric intraocular lenses, I mean, there are several types in the market, but uh, some of them are designed with negative spherical aberration, so that... uh, at least part of the spherical aberration of the cornea is compensated. Are there intraocular lenses that correct for higher order aberrations? There are not at present, uh, as far as I know, aberrations that correct for trefoil or tetrafoil. Um, there, um, we have shown that um, aspheric intraocular lenses, um, also uh, because of the uh, because of the 
uh, eye rotation or because of the misalignment of the fovea, um, they also correct partially for coma. But this also, I mean, this, this comes for the price of uh, correcting the spherical elaboration. To my knowledge, there are no other um, um, uh, high order aberrations being corrected with uh, conventional intraocular lenses. And the source of this coma is that the visual axis does not exactly line up with the optical axis of the eye. Exactly, that's correct. It's off-axis coma or lateral coma. For these lenses that correct for aberrational errors of the eye, and looking forward to lenses that may correct for higher order aberrations, how critical is the positioning of the intraocular lens in the eye? Yes, that's 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 actually critical. Um, I mean, it's either in intraocular lenses or contact lenses or any approach you address to uh, correct higher order aberrations, the alignment is critical. Now, even with the multifocal and bifocal intraocular lenses that are available on the market now, how critical are things like lens centration and lens tilt? Yeah, centration is very important because uh, you have multiple zones, so they rely on, on the centration of the, of the lens with respect to the pupil center. And if, if you have... Uh, if you have an important decentration of the lens then, and you have uh, multiple zones, then you're probably not correcting um, or, or you're, you're, you're having multiple zones in, within, within a decentral lens. And that, that would cause uh, diffraction and, and other problems. And how important is lens tilt? Okay, so probably uh, Alberto can, can uh, uh, speak about that. Yeah, uh, lens tilt is important for uh, correcting for uh, lens. When a lens is tilt, uh, coma is induced uh, to the total eye, and uh, lens tilt is critical for this reason. If if the intraocular lens is correcting another uh, higher order aberrations, uh, lens tilt uh, uh, can make the optical system to decompensate and uh, make the total eye to have more aberrations than uh, the one you are looking for. Now, dealing with the method you use to measure lens centration and lens tilt, let me ask a, a background question here. What are the Purkinje images? Yes, Purkinje images are the reflections from uh, uh, the different ocular surfaces. So the first Purkinje image is the reflection from the anterior surface of the cornea. The third and the fourth Purkinje images, which are the ones that we use in our Purkinje imaging system, are um, reflections from the anterior and posterior surface of the crystalline lens or intraocular lens, in the case of Seusakis eyes. And the second Purkinje image is the one coming off the back surface yes. of the cornea, and this is generally not visible because the difference in index of refraction between the cornea and the aqueous is so low. This is one of the reasons. The other one is that it is typically uh, super, superimposed or overlapping uh, with, the, with the first Purkinje image. Right. And how are the Purkinje images used to measure intraocular lens tilt and intraocular lens centration? Uh, well, uh, as, as we say in the paper, uh, Barry um, and other authors studied the movements of these Purkinje images with different positions of the eye, with different fixations of the eye, and they uh, get a, a linear set of equations that relate the position of Purkinje images uh, measured from the center of the pupil with the uh, 
eye tilt and the lens tilt and the centration. Now, I suspect that many in the listening audience will know what a, a Purkinje image is, but I also suspect that even those audience members who use one don't know what a Scheimflug camera is. Now, can I have you explain what a Scheimflug camera is and what Scheimflug imaging is? Okay, uh, a Scheimflug camera is based on Scheimflug uh, principle uh, that uh, says that when the image plan, the lens plan and the uh, object plan are intersecting one point, uh, you have a, a uh, image of the of uh, with very high uh, depth of focus, and you can have an image like uh, we show there, uh, like if you have an axis of the eye uh, and uh, uh, a cut of the eye. So you have in vivo uh, eye, and you can have um, one perpendicular image of the eye. A shine fluke camera is marketed in the U.S. now. Uh, as as a commercial product. Yeah, we use a, a Shineflug camera provided by Topcon. This is the Pentacam. That's correct. Um, however, we don't use their their programs directly. We work. I mean, for for those uh, measurements of tilt and concentration, we work directly on the uh, original images and the on the raw images captured by their CCD camera, and then we have developed our own algorithms to. Uh, to obtain tilt and concentration from those images. So it's, I mean, we use uh, their camera, but we, we're not using uh, the software uh, that they provide commercially for, for, those, uh, for, for processing those images and obtain tilt and concentration. You're extracting the raw data from the Pentacam and then processing it with your own algorithms. Does that sound right? Uh, we, take the, we take a snapshot of the images taken by Pentacam uh, Pentacam takes 50, 25 images of the of the eye in one measure, so we have uh, 25 images of one eye, and we uh, correct in that images the geometrical distortion that this kind of images uh, have, and detect with algorithm with custom developed algorithms uh, the edge of cornea anterior and posterior surface of cornea and anterior and posterior surface of the intraocular lens or the crystalline of the eye we are studying. Uh, from this edge, we can uh, fit the surfaces to uh, circumference, and from this data, we can, we can have the tilt of the eye because of the foveal fixation and the tilt of the intraocular lens uh, in, in that eye. What question did your study seek to answer? Yes, uh, we in, in, in the paper, we, we actually uh, performed a validation of both methods. Um, we had used the Purkinje imaging uh, before, uh, and, and that's uh, actually uh, been um, presented in, in previous publications because we were very interested in understanding the role of tilt and concentration in the optical aberrations of the pseudophagic eyes. But um, here, I think for the first time in the literature, we validated both uh, the Purkinje imaging and the Scheinfluke imaging to perform tilt and concentration measurements, first by using uh, an artificial eye with known uh, amounts of tilt and concentration 
uh, we basically mounted the intraocular lens in a micrometer state so that we could set known amounts of uh, telson disintegration. And then uh, by performing measurements in the same patients with both techniques. So it was both a validation against uh, an artificial eye and a cross-validation between techniques in the same patient's eyes. Can you describe in a little more detail the model eye that you used for the study? Yeah, uh, uh, we have a, a model eye that includes a cornea with similar parameters to the uh, media uh, radius of curvature and distances of the eye. It's a P PMMA cornea, and it's uh, the first surface. Uh, it's uh, we we put the intraocular lens. Uh, after the cornea into a, a water cell, so uh, we have the fluids of the eye uh, simulated with water, and the intraocular lens inside can be tipped and the center uh, uh, as as we want it. So we can put a tilt and disintegration in that intraocular lens and measure it uh, to see if our measurements are good. Then you perform these same sorts of measurements on actual pseudophagic patients. Yes, there were patients with either spherical or aspheric intraocular lenses. Can I ask you what you found? The study shows that uh, Purkinje and sign fluke imaging are measuring tilt uh, and concentration of, of the eyes, and uh, the results uh, say that in patients, the intraocular lens usually uh, is decentered towards nasal side, and uh, tilt the uh, muscle side also. Yeah, interestingly, uh, the results are, tend to be very symmetric across right and left eyes. So um, this, uh, this means that it's not like a iatrogenic um, question. I mean, it's not induced surgically, but probably relates to the actual uh, positioning of the capsular bag and the crystalline lens for surgery. Meaning that if the intraocular lens were slightly decentered nasally in the right eye, it would also tend to be slightly decentered nasally in the left eye. That they were mirror images. Exactly, their 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 results are are very mirror symmetric, as shown both by Purkinje or or Schoenflug imaging. Yep. What about the magnitude of the decentration and the tilt in the pseudophagic patients that you measured? Yeah, they're not very large. Um, the, on average, they're like um, around two to three degrees, uh, usually not more than five degrees uh, of tilt, and these concentrations are not higher than 0.5 millimeters. So, um, I mean, these were uh, normal, uh, now really normal uh, procedures, and and uh, tilts and concentrations were were small. Uh, in fact, when you compare that to all the surgeries, extracapsular surgeries and so on, the, the amounts are, are, are smaller. In a subsequent study, we actually measured, we actually built customized eye models using individual data from, from the eyes, I mean, the actual coordinate topography, the actual geometry of the intraocular lens, actual anterior chamber depth and, and tilt and disintegration that we measured with these techniques and we compared the aberrations with the actually 
measured on the same patient's eyes. So that was a very good method to see and understand the actual contributions of the different factors to the optic elaborations of these uh, pseudophagic patients. And we found that tilts and disentration uh, were in general, in general uh, a minor contributor to the overall aberrations. But there were, there were interesting things that, I mean, the fact that uh, these uh, tilts and disentrations tended to be systematic across eyes and, and, and symmetric and uh, um, in, in a way uh, inheriting the positioning of the intraocular lens before surgery, um, in, in, in many eyes it actually reduced coma rather than induced coma. Is that because the lenses tend to be decentered nasally? Uh, I'm trying to understand why coma would be reduced. Yeah, this is because of the right combination of eye rotation and, and tilt and disintegration. So it, uh, it uh, sort of helped the uh, eye rotation to compensate for coma. That happened not in, in every eye. It happened in like 70% of the eyes. Have Purkinje images and Scheimflug cameras been used to measure intraocular lens decentration and tilt in the past in previous studies? Um, so, uh, Scheinfluck, there, there are some case reports of the old, I, I think it's the NIDEC um, um, equipment that is out of the market that was used to measure uh, Scheinfluck. There are probably more reports using Purkinje imaging, but um, um, in in many cases, there is only one orientation given, so it's it's either it's only the horizontal or the vertical uh, tilt and and disintegration. So there there are not that many systematic studies uh, with uh, both orientations for tilt and and disintegration uh, out in the literature. I think. Um, it, probably our our setup, which is very compact and very automatic, makes those measurements very. I mean, our Purkinje imaging system uh, makes those measurements very very rapid and um, and uh, and very um, very easy to do on on a on a patient population. What advice would you give to ophthalmologists in clinical practice? Is centration and tilt something that we should be interested in? Uh, if I have a patient with visual complaints after cataract surgery, should the measurement of centration and tilt be something that I should be considering? Definitely. I think, um, I mean, in, in, it's, uh, it's another uh, ocular biometry measurement, uh, which is uh, important in the same way as the anterior chamber depth and, and uh, other uh, ocular biometry measurements. And um, I think as we get more sophisticated intraocular lens designs, you mentioned uh, before the uh, uh, potentially in the future uh, intraocular lenses correcting for higher order aberrations where TF10 concentration is going to be critical, or even the uh, accommodating intraocular lenses that, um, since I mean they rely on the movements of the ciliary muscle. Um, they, uh, as the patient accommodates, they, they might move and, and tilt and descender. I think as we move into a new generation of intraocular lenses that are uh, more sophisticated and, and that aim at providing better uh, image quality, tilt and descentration is something to really look at. Dr. Marcos, Dr. DeCastro, thank you so much. 
Thank you. Bye-bye, Josh. Bye. Susanna Marcos is Senior Faculty Research Scientist, Investigator Científico, at the Instituto del Optica in Madrid, Spain. Alberto de Castro is a doctoral student at the same institution. Their paper, Tilt and Decentration of Intraocular Lenses in Vivo from Purkinje and Scheinflüge Imaging Validation Study, appears in the March 2007 issue of the Journal of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Ask questions of Dr. Marcos and de Castro or any of our previous guests or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines in the United States style area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom dial 020-7558-8275 or Skype JYoungMD. Those numbers can be found on our website as seenfromhere.com. As Seen From Here is a production of the new media project of the NYU School of Medicine and the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery and is edited by Joe Fry. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.